Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our hosts, the founders and directors of the Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie Gallant, share practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. So welcome back tonight, friends. We're so glad that you're joining us. Uh, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental wellness and the church. And tonight we have a special guest with us. Her name is Laura Howe, and she's going to share more about herself in just a minute. But as you know, uh, our Agora Network Ministries is uh, formed to help the church and individuals understand the stigma that is uh, with mental wellness inside the church it's good to have Laura with us. Welcome, Laura, to the show. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself on a personal level. Uh, tell us about where you and your, uh, your family and uh, things like that. Do, I, do you have a dog, cat, <laughs> birds, whatever? Sure. I love to. Yes. Okay. So I'm a mom and I'm married to an amazing husband named Aaron. And both of us right now, as many during, at the time of this recording, we are in COVID right now in lockdown. So my husband and I are working side by side for many months now and it's still going well. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I have two children. I have a daughter, Adelia, and she is 10 and Charlotte is eight. And over Christmas, we are so excited because we met my girl's dreams and we got a Christmas <laughs> puppy. So we just got our first family dog and her name is Jenny. And um, so we're really excited to, you know, she just kind of completes our family. Yeah. Um, in the summertime, we love to camp and try to be outdoors. Um, you know, our kids are super active. They're not really into sports as much. So we kind of, you know, hike and, you know, go boating or, you know, camping and, and right. you know, go to the beach. Yeah. Many, like many other families do. That's right. And uh, yeah, so we're, I'm located in Southern Ontario, kind of central in very agricultural, small town. Mm-hmm. And uh, my careers, I studied and have been a social worker for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of what makes up my time and who I connect with and hang yeah. out with. So being a mother uh, takes up a lot of time. And uh, as we're recording tonight, this is the February 2nd. And your kids, uh, you said your kids are back in school. Oh, praise God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, they did very well um, online. Um, I feel like I was got a third job of tech support, Um, but everyone is thankful that, you know, that they're back in school. That's great. And so, Laura, that's a little bit about yourself uh, Mm -hmm. personally, and I appreciate your uh, telling us who you are and uh, 
but now let's move into a little bit about what you do. Now, we came to know each other through a ministry that you began a while ago. But uh, you asked my wife and I, uh, Gora Network Ministries, to share a bit on the Church Mental Health Summit that was back in October 10th. So we got to know you and your ministry a little bit, but uh, many people probably on our network haven't met you or don't know the ministry. So can you tell us, number one, a little bit about your professional life? Mm-hmm. And uh, how did Hope May Strong come to be? This is the name of your ministry. Yes, yes. I would love to share that because I don't often get to share that part of it. Um, so HopeMadeStrong.org uh, is the organization. If anyone wants to check out um, any details, I'm online there, HopeMadeStrong.org. But the backstory behind it is that for about 15 years now, I've been working as a clinical social worker at a community mental health agency here in my hometown. Mm working with marginalized populations, people who are homeless, um, struggling with addiction, experiencing mental health issues, and really providing support in a variety of ways with them. Uh, it was about 10 years into my career that I really started feeling restless and really struggling with a lot of tension because in my workplace, it was, you know, a government funded health organization right. that, you know, although we encourage people to engage in spiritual activity and, and, and have a holistic care and view of their well-being, um, I really couldn't share specifically that Jesus is the, right. you know, salva- has salvation and healing and he's available and brings right hope and grace and truth to our lives right Mm -hmm. and and then in my work and so that was my workplace and then i found in my local church although i love them dearly and i have been you know attended church and grew up in the church and i think sometimes the local church kind of feels like a little bit of a bubble we we don't always see the extreme and the marginalized parts of our communities and so i felt frustrated that my church wasn't reflecting and answering the needs of my community that i was seeing on a day-to-day basis in my workplace and so there was this tension And I had a really hard time with that. And, you know, I I don't know if it was a service or a training or a prayer meeting, but I was just like, God, like, please help me Mm -hmm. with this. I'm feeling restless at work. I'm feeling frustrated with church. What's going on? And God really talked to me and and shared this. And I've leaned upon this word or this feeling. I don't know what you want to call it for a lot is that I'm to be a bridge and to be the hope in my community. And I'm supposed mm-hmm. to challenge and call out the church to rise up and equip the church with the tools needed to be able to support those community mm-hmm. needs in, in an effective way. And so I just have to, you know, thankfully God gave me a personality where I'm extroverted and I love to talk and I love people and I have lots of opinions and ideas. So I kind of have the natural personality to go along with some of that tension that comes from that being that middle Mm -hmm. person. And so, um, so that was, you know, 10 years into, uh, that was five years ago. So 10 years into my career. And so trucking along, trying to reconcile this restlessness and, and trying to bang down and look at different career opportunities mm-hmm. and different other ministry opportunities. And nothing was working out, nothing at all. I thought it was really good. And then it would fall through and trying and everything in my own strength. 
at the time, I, uh, on my caseload, I had a lot of people with significant amount of trauma uh, mm. that they were working with. Obviously, won't go into details. Don't want to slime anyone with that trauma. <laughs> there was a lot. So day yeah. in and day out, I was hearing a lot of very challenging stories. Mm -hmm. And I found myself facing, uh, I started feeling um, a lot of fatigue. And we'll talk about it later, what yeah. compassion fatigue is. But I was starting to experience it impacting my personal life. And then even into my professional life. And I had an amazing, gracious supervisor, which I always talk about. And I don't know if she knows how <laughs> much influence she had in my life. Um, really challenged me and say, Laura, you know, you might want to consider, you know, talking with someone and getting some support because, you know, take a look at what compassion fatigue is. I think you might be experiencing uh -huh. this. And so that led me down into a path of needing to take a couple months off of work, really reflect. And at that time, I was just like, God, I'm done. I'm right. done trying. I've tried really hard, you know, in, in, in both areas, at church and at work. And I tried and I'm just done. I'm, yeah. I, whatever, whatever you have me do, Lord, as long mm -hmm. as I feel fulfilled and as long as it's life-giving and joy-giving, I'm good to go. Just right. lead me. And only a short couple months after that, I really got this idea and I, it's, it's so me and so <laughs> amazing and it lights me up so much. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Definitely God idea was really bringing tools and resources in a actionable and a, a relevant and um, barrier-free way right. to the church to allow the church to be able to learn and grow. And I think this is why we get along so well, Alan, because Agora <laughs> right. is all about that too, right? That's true. We are. And, uh, yeah. And so um, Hope Made Strong really grew out of that passion to serve the church, to equip the church. And my little coffee shop pitch would be to um, that Hope Made Strong is, is to equip ministry caregivers so that they can support and care for others in their community and not and, and remain resilient in ministry. And those two really, the two big factors in that is that to equip ministry caregivers to, for, to care for others and to remain resilient in ministry. So that's kind of my story as a professional, as a social worker, mental health uh, social worker, right. and then moving into what Hope Made Strong is all about. Yeah, and I love your story. And it seems like God has to get a hold of us and bring us to the lowest place sometimes before he reveals, uh, you know, because we have to be in a place of humility mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a place where we can listen and uh, hear his voice and the calling that he has on our lives. Now, Laura, you said um, ministry caregivers. Yeah. Now, can you share a little bit more of what you mean by that? Yeah. What I was trying to get at there with using that term is that um, <clears throat> pastors aren't the only people who care for people in right. churches, right? Pastors right. are often the people that we think of as the caregivers, but there's a lot of other people that provide care and support. So whether you're a small groups leader or you're a youth pastor or you're um, in the hospitality team, or maybe there's missionaries who mm -hmm. provide a lot of support and care for churches and, and their community members. And so I say ministry caregiver because I really wanna focus on the people who provide care and support. Right. And that isn't always the pastor, although pastors are definitely 
uh, <laughs> key component. Yeah, they sure are. Uh, Laura, just talking about the church a little bit here. Um, so we know that the church does struggle with mental wellness uh, in, in this regard that many uh, don't talk about it. Uh, it's like a taboo topic. Mm-hmm. Um, pastors are, uh, you know, they're also ones that are affected by mental uh, health issues, but they don't say a lot. Uh, so can you unpack a little bit why the church has a hard time or do they have a hard time really understanding or grasping the crisis that's inside the church about mental illness? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Um, I think individually, if you go to people who are serving in a church and you ask them, do you want people to be well? Do you want people to thrive in life? Without a doubt, every single person will say, sure. absolutely. Yes, I do. So I think as in on the individual level, we are passionate about that. But when we come together collectively, we have a hard time navigating what to do, what to call it, and how to go about doing it. So when we call it the church and say, okay, the the church, you know, the capital C church has a hard time with it. It might rub people the wrong way because they're like, I'm part of the church. I identify as being a member of the church. I don't have a problem with it. But yet when we come into a group, we have a hard time with that. And I think that's because we don't, we, we lose the ability to, we lose the language. We don't know what to call it. Yeah. And we lose touch with what that might be in our communities because mental wellness and mental health is so unique and so individual that when we want to approach it in a collective way, it can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, then you feel, you know, uncomfortable about what do I call this? What do I do about it? And when people are uncomfortable or just unsure of whether it's their skill set or, or how to go about navigating it, then you draw away with that. You know, I'm terrible, absolutely terrible at some (laughs) sports. And so I'm not going to be signing up for many sports teams because it makes me very uncomfortable. I'm kind of accident prone. So <laughs> I don't want any balls flying at my face. Yeah, yeah, I, I <laughs> so get it, it makes me uncomfortable. So I avoid it. So when we're uncomfortable, we avoid it. So I think one of the great things that Agora is doing and what I strive to do at Hope Made Strong as well is to destigmatize it and to make it so that people aren't yeah. uncomfortable about it. That's right. And to give people the tools, the language or the ability to talk about it so that they have they are able to have a conversation and they are able to problem solve or they're able to strategize. Okay. What are we going to do about this and how do we feel about it? That's right. So we're going to talk all very specifically about compassion fatigue in just a moment, uh, Laura, um, you have uh, identified that already as you talk, but uh, you have a great website and you have many uh, different uh, tools and uh, strategies. Uh, can you just talk a bit about your website and the ministry and what you offer and how people can um, come on board and uh, get to know your ministry? So there, it, 
as many things, things evolve over time. So um, there's a different ways you can connect with the tools and resources that I offer at hopemadestrong.org. First of all, the website is that. Also my email, and I want to give my email out to anyone sure. who's listening. If they want to connect, if they have more questions, I am open to that. So you can connect with me personally at laura at hopemadestrong.org. So, and I also am on social media. Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Hmm. Um, so on many, one of the most accessible resources that I offer is my blog, which I do in video format. So, mm -hmm. and then I write up, write right. it up so you can read it as well. Um, so every Thursday, a new video drops and it's only about, I try to keep it under six minutes where it offers a quick resource, a quick tool, um, a tip, a strategy where you can help support yourself and mm -hmm. support others in ministry and remain resilient. And, and that happens, that happens through a newsletter. So on my website, you can check out the blog and see all the different videos and, and articles there. I also offer courses and the three courses that I mainly offer is Hope Made Strong, which specifically talks about compassion fatigue, the caregiver toolbox, which is all about those basic tools and skills that you need to support and care for others. You know, things like what to say when you don't know what to say right. and, yeah. and you know, the, some of those boundary issues. Right. And then another course is sleep is not a dream. And oftentimes I find when people are struggling with stress and overwhelm and, and their well-being, sleep is often the first thing to go. So it's just a yeah. quick course okay. um, to help people who are trying to navigate that one primary issue. Yeah. And then we, you and I have yeah. met, connected over the Church Mental Health Summit. Yes. So I offer two events a year, one in the spring and one in the fall. Um, and Church Mental Health Summit is the fall one on World Mental Health Day. And then the spring is in May, um, Church Mental Health Refresh. And so that's those right. are going to be available very soon on the website. Yeah, that's great. And I will post on our website and social media on this podcast uh, your email address and also your uh, website so people can get a hold of you so let's get into the nitty-gritty here uh, Laura uh, you have a talk on uh, finding hope and helping you talk about compassion fatigue and many people have it but they don't understand what it is mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've been talking to many pastors and they're tired they're mm -hmm. tired through this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, they're trying to keep up. They're trying to help people in different ways. Uh, pastors and many people are getting what's called a Zoom fatigue, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, talk to us about what compassion fatigue is and uh, why we need to address it. Absolutely. So compassion fatigue really is the erosion or the wearing down of our ability to care for others as well as care for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easier to talk about what something is not right. to describe what something is. So I'm going to start off with talking just very, very briefly about burnout and then go into why that is different from compassion fatigue. Right. Because I think um, a lot of us or a lot of people um, think, you know, I'm burnt out, I'm worn out. And, we, and that vocabulary is really more familiar to us. That's right. And so burnout really is comprised of three different things. And I think collectively, like the globe is burnt out because burnout is three things. It's when there's hopelessness or a feeling like nothing is never going to change. Right. It's helplessness, like I don't have any control in changing my situation. Mm 
and prolonged stress where you're just under a lot of stress for a long period of time. And so those three things, if those three things are present, then that is kind of a, the recipe for burnout. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all experiencing this. Is COVID going to be done? Or maybe it's if you're in a job, you know, day in and day out, this is, it's always going to be like this. I'm, I'm never going to get out of this relationship. I'm never going to get out of this job. I'm never going to get out of this, you know, situation. Helplessness you know, I don't have any control over that. Like, you know, I, I can't control my work hours. I can't control the demands on my time. I right. can't control, like you really don't have any impact on that. And then prolonged stress, which I think we're all very familiar with. Yeah. So yeah. that is burnout when you have those three things. Now, compassion fatigue is very, very similar in that it comprises those three things, but it adds another element to it. Compassion fatigue well, I should say burnout, everyone can experience burnout. Sure. It doesn't yeah. matter what role, what position you, you have. Everyone experiences burnout. But compassion fatigue really impacts those who provide care and support for others. Those who offer empathy and and hope and caring for others. And let me, let me describe a story. Um, sure. you, maybe you're familiar with this feeling is that, you know, you're supporting someone after church and they're talking with you and you, you say, you know what, um, you know, I, I hear you, I see you, here are some suggestions to overcome your situation, you know, and then they go away. And then the next week they come back and they say, pastor, yeah. or, you know, Deacon Susie, like <laughs> this is my situation. And they say the exact same thing and they right. haven't implemented anything you've said. Right, and you, right. you, you remain your composure, you validate, you support them. You say, you know what, try this, you know, and then they come back the third week your response is probably going to start <laughs> to change as people come back to you yeah. over and over and over again with the problem. Right. And that uh, that weakening of empathy or the wearing down of empathy is an example of what compassion fatigue is. Mm -hmm. And and when you, ex when you um, listen to stories of struggle and you provide empathy and you're in the hospitals and your bedside and you're doing funerals and you're supporting through parents through hardship, you are giving a lot of yourself. It says, I think in Peter, I, I could be wrong, where Paul talks about you pour out of yourself as, a, as an offering. Right. And, and, and in ministry, that's often what we do. We pour out, we give of ourselves. You know, we can always, everyone can, you know, relate to that feeling of helping someone and having a conversation mm -hmm. and walking away. And you're just like, Oh, I'm exhausted. I feel <laughs> yes. like I just ran a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. And really I, I just kind of talked and supported someone for an hour, hour and a half. And that really is what compassion fatigue is and how it differs with then to burnout is that burnout, you can um, change or shift jobs. You can right. become, you can regain some hope or you can regain some control or the stress eases and burnout subsides. But compassion fatigue, the erosion of empathy and right. the wearing down of your caring for both care for yourself and care for others is long lasting. It changes your worldview. Right. So and how I noticed that in myself is, you know, if someone works with seniors or if someone who's in a caring and they see, they help seniors a lot and, and seniors who are impoverished and struggling when they're mm -hmm. grocery shopping and they see a senior with some cat food in the basket and they're going up to the till, they might think their worldview or their perspective of seniors buying cat food might be like, Oh, 
is are they eating cat food because it's cheap mm. and accessible? Right. Whereas other people would just be like, oh, that lady probably has a cat at home that yeah. she's caring for. Mm-hmm. It shifts their perspective. Wow. Or or maybe you're a youth pastor and you're um, hearing the same story of, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me or my boyfriend dumped me or any of these things. And you th- and in on the outside, you're saying, yes, I have compassion and empathy. Right. Yes, I care. You're nodding your head. You're listening. But on the inside, you're kind of doing that internal eye roll. Yeah, yeah I've heard this again. You know, mm. you kind of become numb to the care of others. And so that's what compassion fatigue is. Right. So let me interrupt just for a moment. Um, so burnout and compassion fatigue are different. Uh, but one can lead into the other. Am I right on that? Burnout can lead, lead it's, into it's not compassion. That they lead into it's that those the compassion fatigue comes from caring. Only right. those okay. who care can be fatigued, but everyone can experience burnout. When right. I experienced compassion fatigue, okay. I was burnt out and right. I right. had compassion fatigue. Sure. And so if it's not dealt with, Laura, um, where can it lead people? Well, I can tell you where it led for me mm-hmm. and where it can lead for many people. So when you, when you, your empathy and your care for others erodes and it weakens, then you become numb and you become agitated or frustrated, or maybe, you know, you have that chip on your shoulder externally. You're, you, everyone knows you as the kind giving pastor or the sweet, uh, loving small groups leader who's there for everyone, but on the inside you're resentful and you're numb. Mm -hmm. And for me, I became angry. I was not a very, my poor family. <laughs> my, I was angry. I would right. come home and my children would ask for help with opening a package or doing something. And I was so exhausted from meeting everyone's needs. I was like, can you just leave me alone? Like yeah. you can do this yourself. I was right. sharp with my family. Yeah. Something that is often people do is that they isolate. You no longer want to be around people, mm-hmm. but you want to be by yourself. You can be, have health problems. My sleep and health were dramatically impacted. I was exhausted all the time. Your immune yeah. system starts to shut down. Right. You just become unwell. And there's mm-hmm. really, what, how most people really describe it is there's something off and I just can't put my finger on it. Yeah. So it can lead into a clinical mental illness of some sort as well if un if untreated unsupported and not recognized you cycle into um you cycle downwards and the symptoms or the experience can grow worse and worse and i'm not trying to fear monger or throw anyone you know like don't you have to watch out for this that's not what we're doing but what we're doing is cautioning people saying this is real this is um and but there is hope that you can overcome this but left unchecked you know you you're walking into some dangerous territory we're going to struggle with clinical depression or maybe anxiety Mm -hmm. or some health complications at the extreme point right so so compassion fatigue is a very real problem a hundred percent yeah and many people are suffering with that and they're on they are and they're not understanding what's going on with them. Yes. Uh, they they try, you know, maybe just me, maybe I'm not good enough or, and there's so a lot of shame and guilt mm-hmm. and all of that stuff comes. 
that people start being like, why, why am I so angry at that person? All they right. need is help. Or why, you know, if there's, there's a death in the community and the church, they're like, why was my first thought? Oh, there goes my Friday night. Now I have to do this yeah. or now I have to do that. And then yeah. they feel so bad. Right. I don't but, mean to laugh, but that's so yeah. true. You know, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and compassion fatigue. Let me make sure that people understand that compassion fatigue is not a sin. It is not a weakness mm. and is not a failure. Compassion right. fatigue is a result of caring. It's a result of doing very good work. Right. And it is a side effect. You know, we think of people in construction workers and when they go to work, they wear protective gear. They wear a hard hat and a vest and they wear boots right. and things because they know that their workplace, there's hazards and compassion fatigue is the hazard of working in a caregiving role. Hmm. So let's talk about the positive steps towards healing and hope for uh, people that are suffering with compassion fatigue. So tell us what should be done. How do they get healthy and um, back to a good place in their lives? Yeah, absolutely. In the course, Finding Hope and Helping, uh, we walk through step-by-step step how to overcome and how to prevent compassion fatigue. And the course is an 18-lesson course where the lessons are only like seven minutes long videos right. with some homework. But it is a comprehensive program that allows you to walk through step-by-step step in small increments so it's not overwhelming. But I really want to share a couple points with your audience today yeah. that, you know, it is you are over able to overcome come and it's not it's not big or difficult it can be challenging but it is possible and the first step is really identifying and, and taking stock of your life and how the impact is and in the course we do that so some but for some basic ideas here is you can measure your levels of compassion fatigue if you go finding hope and helping.org slash quiz Good. there's an assessment on there that you can do it's 30 questions and it measures your levels of compassion fatigue burnout and and um compassion satisfaction so so people can so people can get on your website and do yeah. this yeah, okay. yeah, you go to findinghopeandhelping.org slash quiz. And, and I can email you those if you want to put those in your show sure. notes. Sure, yeah. Um, and so that's just measuring your levels. But then there's a whole other area of really saying, uh, reflecting, okay, how is this impacting my life? And, and that is the biggest part of it, I'm going to be honest, is taking some moments and really reflecting and being able to understand how it's impacting, how it's mm -hmm. impacting your relationships, how it's impacting your work, how it's impacting your health. And then step by step, you can go through those um, areas and refuel them. You know, it says, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, yeah. come to me all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. And I think it's really important that in that scripture, the very first thing is come to me who all who are weary. Mm. So in order to be able to come to him, we have to know that right. we're weary. That's we can't just point. cover it up and push it down and say, this is my fault. I just need to soldier on. I need to pull up my bootstraps. I can do this. Right. You know, God called me. If God called me to this, I should be able to do this work. And if I can't, then it's my fault. No, mm -hmm. if you're weary, 
if you're weary, it says. So that means being weary is possible right. and likely at some times. Yeah. And then the first one is come to God and find rest. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a big part of it is taking that time to reflect and find rest, spiritual rest, physical rest, and mental rest. Right. What would that look like, Laura? So um, some helpful tips that I really encourage people to look at is physical rest is, is our, those sleep schedules. And that's why I have that course on sleep is yeah. not a dream and, and finding margin in your life. So um, finding, learning how to say no. And I have a whole video saying how to say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky, but it, yeah. it can be, you can say no without feeling guilty. It is right. possible and really creating some space in your life so that you are able to find that rest and right now it is so hard because there's so many demands yeah. and with all of us working at home our work has really like invaded into our home life mm -hmm. so creating structure and boundaries and i know people are rolling their eyes as they're listening to this no, but I'm it's not. really it's one of the first things <laughs> you're not maybe <laughs> but but i can it's it's definitely challenging and it is. And we can go into very small things that, you know, practical things if you wanted on finding those spots. But in general, that's mm -hmm. what, you know, finding rest right, is. Right, right. Uh, this is very good stuff, Laura. Thank you so much for sharing these uh, great uh, uh, ways to help us in this whole area of compassion fatigue. But I have one last question and then sure. some comments afterwards. But you have a person that is a caregiver and they are the only one that can care for a person. Mm. They're, they're fatigued. Um, they're struggling. Yeah. What would you say to a person that uh, is a caregiver feeling fatigued but has to keep going? Yeah. And I've had a couple conversations with some nurses who are saying, I mm. am exhausted, yeah. but I can't stop working or people who are caregiving in the home. Whereas like, yeah. I can't stop caring for my spouse or my parents. I live with them. They're with me all the time and they depend on me so right. much. And I think it's really interesting that compassion fatigue or empathy strain, that's another way of saying it, but mm -hmm. the, the way to find healing and hope for compassion fatigue is giving yourself compassion start right. with adding compassion into yourself understanding that you're not a superhero you're right. a human just like we yeah. all are <laughs> Ta -da. And, Ta -da. yep and so giving yourself compassion to do things for yourself when it's necessary so when you're exhausted it's okay the dishes don't have to be done or right. when you're exhausted you know being able to have those moments um of, of time out and and it's and Healing doesn't come in big giant steps. Hearing, healing comes in those micro moments. Right. And, and, and those moments <clears throat> come from, you know, when I was going from room to room for, for supporting clients um, while I was a counselor, or I still am on my off days, but um, every time I would go into a room, before I would turn the knob, I put my hand to the knob and just hold it. And before I would turn the knob and go in, I would take a moment and take a deep breath. And I would say, okay, breathe in strength, mm. God, I need your strength. And then breathe out stress or anxiety or pressure or yeah. expectations on myself. Mm. And then do it again 
breathe in. God, I breathe in your strength. I need you right now. Hold it. Okay, God, I release it to you. It's in your hands. And those micro moments, those times where you're stopping and just for a moment, um, those refresh and refuel you more than you know. Mm. And that can barely be done like your hand to the door. It could be going in and out of your workplace. Okay, when I walk out of my work, I'm going to, some people I've even heard have work shoes and outdoor shoes where Mm. they come into work and they put on their work shoes. Okay, I'm going to put on this role and then I'm going to take off the responsibility in the role when I go home. Or when you're commuting, when you're going to your appointment or to work or to support someone you can have the music on you can be listening to this podcast you can be you know engaged um but when you come home turn everything off Mm. have it silent so that your body and your mind can process what you're what have you done for the day and decompress so that when you come into the home or when you go into your bedroom or when you shift gears you're ready to face what's coming at you yeah very good yeah so just a helpful tips there that don't add in any extra time into your day but it's those micro moments those Mm. transition moments when you're in the in there in you know right in the thick of it that you can help clear and center yourself i think laura sometimes we think that we have to do the macro things (laughs) the big things that will make the big changes right but it's the same idea when you say how do we eat an elephant right one bite at a time and there got to be small bites you know to and it might take a while but you'll get there Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're saying as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because we see our problem and we see the issues that we're facing and they're huge. They mm-hmm. feel enormous to they us. Do. So we think an enormous solution must be the answer. Right. But that's, you know, there's lots of different small answers, lots yeah. of different small answers. And we were only able to talk about a few here on the podcast. Um, but if you go into the, my blog, each video offers either a resource to help others or a resource to help right. you with resilience and overcoming that's this. Great. So I want to invite our audience to make sure you visit uh, hopemaystrong.org or you can email uh, uh, Laura and, uh, and ask her some questions yourself. Um, but uh, we'll have her uh, email and website address on our uh, uh, show page for you. Uh, and uh, so you can get to her site and get involved in this great courses. Um, Laura, thank you so much for tonight. It's been a blessing to have you on the show. Uh, I learned a, a lot of things tonight. Uh, and so thank you for that. But uh, do you have one last word to share with our audience tonight? Um, I guess my one last word would be, you know, I think of this quote by Naomi Rachel Remen. And she says, those who walk through water and don't, ex- you know, oh my gosh, I'm messing up this quote. That's okay. um, it's awful. So, um, I'm just going to have to abbreviate it. So my last thought would really be, I'm thinking of this quote, and it is those who walk through water and don't expect to get wet 
are like those who are immersed in suffering daily, but don't expect it to be impacted. Mm, and so, good. you know, we often think that, you know, I'm called to this, or I love doing this, or I, you know, God's asked me to connect with this person or do this type of work. Why am I struggling? Why am I angry or resentful? Or why am I feeling so worn out from it? And I want to tell people that it's not their fault and that there is hope and there is possibility. And, you know, I would love to connect with you and offer some support and offer yeah. some hope and some real practical tools that they can do to overcome that in a way that's not wearing them down further right so our program is called hope for the agora a conversation about mental wellness and the church and so tonight we had uh, laura to share with us more insight uh, how we can converse inside the church and understand a little more about ourselves and how we can find hope and healing on our journey and so again, thank you, Laura, and uh, we'll uh, have you back on the show sometime. And uh, for you who are listening, please go to her uh, um, website and uh, check her out. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.